to be a successful manager, you have to love it. Okay, you have to love it and you have to agree that you, I am going to measure you based on the performance of your team, not of yourself. Okay, it's a big change, this shift in mind. You should focus on how you enable people to do better, how to enable them to do their work, how to develop them, how to grow them, and not think about how you're developing your own career. That's a key a uh, success manager uh, measure of a good manager welcome to 20 minute leaders just sit back relax and learn from the leaders of today it's a journey each one is different unique inspiring let's get started this episode is powered by j ventures a community driven vc fund in silicon valley in partnership with leomi tech sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Today, I'm talking to the CTO of one of the most amazing companies in the Israeli ecosystem, SimilarWeb. Meet Ron Asher, the CTO of SimilarWeb, leading the R&D organization of the company. It is one of the best in the world in the domains of big data, data science, and research. They deliver enterprise class quality and availability, and at the same time, have agility and development of a small startup. He has experience with global corporates like IBM, where he led a large R&D department, and also startups where he's been in their inception. Ron Asher, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders, all the way from, I guess, the similar web offices, right? Yeah, I'm at the similar web offices. I usually work from the office. I enjoy coming to the office. I know that sometimes, you know, it sounds awkward because everybody's talking of working from home, hybrid, etc. My day starts here and ends here in the office. I love it. And uh, honestly, if, uh, with this color palette behind you, if that's any indication of, of the colorfulness of, of the office, then uh, I can't imagine why anybody would want to work from their white walls at home. Uh, so I, I can definitely understand that. Uh, Ron, before we dig deep into, into SimilarWeb, uh, you're currently the chief technology officer, uh, and uh, SimilarWeb is uh, you know, one of Israel's biggest prides in the ecosystem here. And uh, I, I want to hear a little bit about your journey. And you, you've taken a lot of roles as VP R&D, uh, you're also at IBM, and you moved quite a bit, but what, what did you learn really throughout your journey about leadership in the technology, leadership in engineering? Okay, so I have, uh, in, through my career, I've seen, you know, technology and leadership evolving significantly. Like there's nothing almost similar to what we did 20 years ago and how we do it right now. Our R&D organization now is about 250 developers and researchers and data scientists. And in order to deliver what SimilarWeb is delivering right now, if we would do it like seven years ago, it would take probably five times more people to do exactly the same. So through my career, you needed to evolve. The technology is constantly improving. Uh, we didn't have clouds before. Like today, if you want to deploy high availability, it's a matter of two, three people scripting something nicely and you get cost to cost, high availability, load balancing, etc. In the past, you would start with construction. Okay, where do I deploy my servers? Where do I provide enough broadband for them to communicate, etc.? And these are all problems that's been solved. You don't need to deal with them anymore. So you can easily provide like enterprise class SaaS at, at no significant effort. 
if you have evolved correctly with that technology. Now, we're talking about evolvement. Evolvement is not a trivial process. I'm, I'm trying to imagine, you know, going through 20 years and you're describing the significant changes that, that are happening. How do you maintain, you know, up to date with everything? Because at the end, I'm guessing you're no longer the one that is reading every newsletter of Node.js with the newest update, yet you have the responsibility of leading 250 people to, to, be, to use the most cutting edge technology and to be at the forefront. It sounds like there's a dissonance here. So in essence, you know, in uh, our roles in technology, you have to be a constant learner. If you don't learn new stuff, or if you are uh, concerned or not open enough to try new things that even you didn't or never developed, you stay behind. And I'd say like, you know, my first coding uh, was a mix of C and assembly language. Okay, that sounds really awkward, right, in these days. And I recall that in the 90s, I was assigned to lead a very important and very complex defense project. And I suggested to everybody that we should switch to uh, C++ programming that is object-oriented uh, design. By the way, just for context, I, I believe then, that you received the National Defense Prize. No, that happened before. That, that was part of my army service. Yeah, okay. that was part of my army service that happened after. But I managed to convince the customer, which has been the Air Force and the, uh, and the company, that we should use this modern technology that's never been used in uh, defense projects before. And three years later, we showed that we managed to get to quality that was unparalleled before. And the investment, you know, married the results and the rest is history. And I think that I've been leading for IBM. So I get into IBM through an acquisition and I was leading uh, the system and technology development in Israel. That's been a large organization of 500 engineers. And the flagship product pro products were uh, storage. And I was early to identify that in the cloud, people would not need anymore to have their own storage. So still storage is, is a product that is being consumed, but definitely it's not growing. And we could see the benefits of using public clouds where you have all the managed services and you can focus on developing your business. So what I'm actually hearing here is... My question, you know, you, I, I, you know, I gave the example of, of being up to date with Node.js, but you're actually saying it's actually much deeper than that. It's actually understanding computing trends, uh, not in the sense of simple language or, or syntactical changes, but it's actually understanding the higher picture of how does an organization going to shift, given that we're going to have these new capabilities like cloud storage versus then on-premise storage, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think that it, it takes you as a leader to be aware of how these developments can contribute to your business or to your organization business, and then how you get the buy-in of your team to be willing to adapt and experiment this technology. And of course, when you are adopting new technology, there's always a risk entailed in how to manage this risk. 
So you would start with a POC, you would start with defining the right goals for the POC, and then you are sharing the results with the rest of the team. So you have a larger audience that is feeling comfortable with the new technology. And yes, sometimes, you know, POCs are failing and that should not stop us from trying over and over again, because at the end of the day, the new technologies are always bringing advantage, okay? So if you are like an early adopter, sometimes, you know, it may not align with your expectation, but in most cases that it buy you a huge advantage over what you've been doing in the past or what compared to competitors that are not adapting uh, the new technologies. Right. So today, today we're talking from the similar web offices um, a little bit about what similar web does. And, and I'm particularly excited to understand the, the complexity behind the technology that goes on with a company like similar web, uh, which, which is revolving all around big data. Uh, what, what is similar web? And then a little bit about the technology. So when we're trying uh, and aiming to be the official measure of the digital world, the digital world is, is huge, is borderless, okay? And in essence, uh, we are trying to provide the worldwide view of how the internet behaves at the resolution of sites and applications uh, per country, which is uh, fairly comprehensive. And in order to do that, we are using information from all over the world, from all over sources, and we are collecting billions of, of events per day and through the year, with a lot of work of data science and data engineering, we were able to use the signals, the diversity of the signals to develop the insights. That requires a lot of knowledge of algorithms and uh, partnerships that we can uh, get all this data and provide these estimates. And as the digital world is very dynamic, we have to constantly adjust. So you'd see that, uh, you know, there are trends. Uh, there, there are some countries where you see that mobile traffic is larger than desktop, like India. And there are trends of shifting. Some In some cases, part of the traffic is shifting to applications from web, and then it is shifting back. So a lot of trends. This is a very dynamic world, and we have to be, like, in the front uh, adjusting to all these trends. And of course, we are growing our customer base and the expectation is larger. So in the past few years, we've been uh, focusing on shifting to solutions. Like we were able to spot what are the solutions that our customers need and we just give them the tools to get what they need. Uh, unlike like looking around data sets and trying to find what they need. So the solution is actually give you a full workflow and information uh, that you, you would need for performing a certain role without needing to dig and, 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 and apply some intelligence in, inside the data to attain it. Right. And so at the end, who cares about you know, the digital measure of the world? Why is it why is this uh, you know, a problem that is worth investigating with 250 engineers, a company that, you know, that is public now, very, very recently, so, I think just a week ago, right? I, I, I think we've seen, we've seen the trend of businesses uh, increasing their presence in the digital world, okay? Traditional businesses, like look at transportation. Uh, I've been just 
recently in the US. And I'm saying I didn't uh, need any communication. Like with Uber application, I could get myself from, from place to place without uh, needing to, to communicate. Uh, the application did everything that I need. So clearly, the digital world is uh, emerging as far as travel, as far as e-commerce, as far as learning. So every business is growing the presence in, in, in the digital world. And I think that the COVID pandemic taught us how, how important this, the digital world is playing in our life. Okay, so uh, add to that uh, Netflix and content that we've been consuming. So travel has declined, but overall traffic has increased significantly in the digital world. And now it's becoming essence of every company to know what's going on on, on on this arena. And we used to compare it like to a battlefield. So if if you are uh, you don't have the right intelligence, you are blind in, in this battlefield. And we are providing the intelligence that help you manage your investment, understand which investments are more effective. Are you reaching your target audience? How you are doing this, the competitors, etc. Right. And so... I'm, I'm really curious about 250 engineers. You're working on a really interesting problem. I mean, you're literally making sense of the biggest balagan in the world and trying to piece together you know, the puzzle and, and, and you know, give actionable insights to those that need it. It can't be that all 250 are working on the sexiest thing or to all 250 people are, are you know, how do you manage a, a, an army of 250 people that are geared towards this vision of similar web. So it, it must bring some leadership challenges with it. You know, we are very careful when we are architecting software. And probably you've heard from my colleagues, etc., on various buzzwords like microservices and distributed architecture and stuff like this. So I believe that we need to properly architect the R&D organization. So in essence, if you think about it, we have plenty of infrastructure and managed services. Pretty much we can focus on our business. And I'd say that among the many positions and, and, and roles that we have in R&D, the vast majority of them are very interesting because we don't repeat ourselves. We don't have to do... Uh, uh, redundant things if we can use uh, open source and existing managed services, etc. So each individual is contributing directly to the business and has clear ownership of, of what, what they're doing. So in essence, the, the organization is architected such that the units are independent. They can do end-to-end -end tasks and deliver valuable deliverables to our customers independently. Like we have pods that are working with product and design and development and data science, and they deliver a complete thing or a complete solution or a complete product to the users. And therefore you'd see the organization is distributed and each part of it is operating independently and delivering. And there are very few bottlenecks or things that need to be carefully managed or prioritized. If I'm in a situation that I need to prioritize too many things, I've created a bottleneck. The organization is not architected well, and therefore it needs change. 
And we, we do apply changes from time to time such that we keep really the units moving independently on their own and delivering. Just like technology is evolving, I'm, I'm sure the exactly. organization is evolving and the DNA is, is evolving. But Ron, you, you have 24 hours in a day. Um, I'm guessing with, there's quite a few different projects that are running at the same time. Resources are, you may, you know, they may not be so, that scarce financially, but, but Ron's time is scarce. How do you then decide where to allocate your valuable resource, your time, to pushing the right projects forward, to deciding who to meet and when? Because it sounds to me like that, is, that has to be one of the biggest challenges. It is, a, it is an important challenge. I think that it all starts with uh, delegation. Okay? So you need to develop in each layer of management important ownership and authority to make decisions, okay? So you don't need to control everything. The, the, the lower level where a decision can be made, it is far more efficient. And then the organization is really running at high velocity. Now, the thing is that there needs to be a certain cadence and monitoring, so the real problems are surfacing. And the things that are routine, they're not surfacing. They're running on themselves. So in essence, we have a cadence whereby we do our planning on a quarterly basis. We set goals for the next quarter, and then we go and execute. And we're working in agile methodology such that uh, most of the things are done based on the planning, okay? And therefore, as a leader and, and, and the managers can focus uh, on execution and on strategic thinking. We're trying to minimize the exceptions. So if our processes are working well, we don't have too many exceptions. If our processes are not working well, then they'll be busy all day managing exceptions. So whenever there is a repeating exception, we need to fix it by putting together the right process or whatever it takes to address it properly so it is not managed as an exception. Managing exception is very time consuming. And if we can minimize those exceptions, we are very efficient. Now, you've been a technology leader for quite some time. You've been VP, R&D, and, and similar positions uh, for a long time. But, but you're an engineer at heart. I'm, I'm really curious, what do you miss? What, what, have you, what do you miss out on as, as a CTO or VP R&D? Because at the end, you're an engineer at heart. You want to solve uh, you know, both micro and macro problems. So, you know, the, 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 you, you have to have focus. Okay, and I'm having these conversations with many people uh, that are contemplating whether they should continue their career as an individual contributor or shift to management. I have little belief in a hybrid. So you are semi-hands-on and semi-manager. I think that management is a full-time, you need to be fully engaged with it. And I'm telling people to be a successful manager, you have to love it. Okay, you have to love it and you have to agree that you, I am going to measure you based on the performance of your team, not of yourself. Okay, this is a big change, this shifting yeah. mind. You should focus on how you enable people to do better, how to enable them to do their work, how to develop them, how to grow them, and not think about how you're developing your own career. Yeah. That's a key a success measure of a good manager. And I think that personally, you know, the decision was made for me. 
So back in my army service, I was promoted to be a section commander. And ever since then, you know, I have people to care about. Uh, some of them were still kids. Some of them were as old as my parents. But I had full ownership, uh, making them successful, making the section successful. And I still maintain my coding capability, I'd say, as a manager for about 10 years. But then you are fully dedicated. The management is consuming 24 hours a day. Uh, I believe that, by the way, I, I'm, I was helping my kids with programming and stuff. So sometimes it feels like riding a bicycle. Even if you haven't done it 10 years, you can still recover it very fast. So I believe that it is recoverable. But right now I don't have time for it. Wonderful, Ron. Uh, thank you so much for coming and joining me from the Similar Web offices. Uh, I, I love your product, and I've been following Similar Web for many, many years. And, uh, and congratulations on the recent IPO. It, it's just wonderful. And uh, I have a few last quick questions for you. Uh, number one: What is a fa your favorite subject in middle school or high school? So, uh, at school, I, I think that I was already attracted to programming and computers. It's been like, you know, people didn't know what I'm talking about when I was at that age, but it, it attracted me, you know, from the, the first uh, class that I've taken in basic programming. That, that, that com completely occupied me. And my, my second best were mathematics and physics. Of course. Uh, who would be a role model of yours or somebody that inspires you in some way, shape, or form? So uh, I think that I happened to have a commander in the army, the guy that uh, essentially recruited me to join the intelligence, which was kind of a multidisciplinary person, studied mathematics and brain science and other things. And I learned a lot of it being a role model for me for many years about how to recruit people, how to lead by example, how to identify talent. And uh, pretty much I, I learned a lot from him. Wonderful. And what are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Wow. Curious. Um, I'm a great fan of technology in all dimensions, not only software. Like that, that, that's mind-blowing. I can read articles. As a child, I studied about how internal combustion engines are working and many crazy things <laughs> like this. Wow. And I like to enjoy my time. So I'm very good at what I'm doing when I enjoy it. That's been like a feedback of my early teachers at school that told my parents when he loves something, he does it great. When he doesn't love something, it's awful. <laughs> I love it. Ron, thank you uh, very, very much. I know how thank you. you are. I, I learned a lot and I really appreciate it. Okay. Good luck, Michael. Bye. Bye.